walked into a bar. An argument ensued about who the goats are. The seed was a thought that would turn into a pod. Now fans worldwide say, not a bad job, the ad hoc cab squad who chronicles the vanguard of hip hop at large. Rap taste slacked off, no need to be mad, dog. Look no further, it's the dad bod. Rap, pop, pop. Dad bod rap pod, we're back. The MC Dem One joined by the scribe, Mr. David Ma, and the record collector, Mr. Nate LeBlanc. I just feel like those titles are don't encompass who we full, are as people. <laughs> the full, yeah, the full kind of breath. But but we'll we'll start there. I I yeah, I still rap. Um, <laughs> after hearing the J Zone interview, I'll have to re reassess that. Oh, but uh, <laughs> we need to make him our life coach. I yeah, know. pretty much. Yeah. We, so, we, spoiler alert: today's episode will feature a lengthy interview with J Zone. But you uh, know that because you clicked on it <laughs> <laughs> and it said J Zone above it. Um, so we're good. Yeah, like uh, indie rapper from the late. 90s early 2000s mm -hmm. who quit mm -hmm. wrote a book which his book is awesome yeah right? we didn't right. even get to that yeah um, yeah uh what's it's called don't quit your day job right no no no, no uh, root for the villain, root, root for the for villain. The yeah. yeah and then he was a blogger for um ego trip for many years as well yeah yeah, um, yeah. he's like a music expert mm -hmm. and, yeah encyclopedia um, yeah now has remade himself as a funk drummer right session studio musician studies just, drums he's just uh, encyclopedic knowledge yeah. yeah and it was it was great to kind of hear him um encapsulate why he doesn't rap anymore you know mm -hmm. and I, I i was a little bit afraid to broach it i'm like oh is he gonna get grouchy about you know constantly going over why don't you rap no more but right, right. he really had some thoughtful things to say about totally that. and like um i think all of us have a love-hate relationship with hip-hop like yep. sure. i don't want to go to shows either like it's like you don't right. have to like mince your words with us man like i don't want to leave my house like totally. yeah totally. yeah we get yeah. it I, yeah. I hate getting old too you know what i mean like, yeah fuck. so he he's a you know i think a quintessential dad bod guest in the in the fact that he's He's trying to uh, position himself and age and and not do it terribly, um, which rappers and boxers have a, a tendency to <laughs> um, to age terribly, never know when to quit. Right. You know what I mean? And kind of just hang on way too long. Um, so I just think that like it, they're one like bend away from like the next big paycheck or the next, mm -hmm. like the next hit. Right. Yep. There's like there seems to be a real like. Um, self-delusion sure oh absolutely sure. absolutely I mean, the term boxer's chance you know striker's chance yeah yeah, yeah. one up yeah. cut away totally you know? yeah yeah and it's it's it it's seductive but then you know also at the same time um you know at sometimes it just uh, it becomes a bad look but certain certain guys could do it and jay zone kind of um outlines you know where he's at in that spectrum mm -hmm. so um I, you just don't talk to people that often who are so self-aware like yeah, totally, aware yeah. of their place in right. the game and how they feel about it like uh, like he's processed it he's processed mm -hmm. it right. he's like moved on and like you know we've had a couple of other interviews where i was like man they're like 
they get it. Like they see themselves the way their fans see totally, them. Totally. And then that's not what it's about necessarily. It's just about being self-aware and like right. realizing what role you play in the mm-hmm. decisions that you've made. And it, mm-hmm. it's, it just sounds really healthy. Right. Yeah. Jay, Jay was talking about people um, aging gracefully and he's like, he's the prime example of that right now. Yeah. Career reinvention, right. um, kind of crisscrossing genres that are kind of related, but kind of not. And, and so, yeah, it's super dope interview, um, and we are very fortunate to have J-Zone here on the Dead Bod Rap Pod. Dad bod rap pod, um, man, just we have amazing guests from all corners of hip hop. We are very fortunate today to have Jay Zone on the program. Uh, rapper, musician, writer, record collector. Welcome to the program. Thank you, but I'm not a rapper anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we, we know. We know. Ex, I, ex rapper. I, hung it, I hung it up. I hung it up. Uh, a couple of years ago, man. But but, but uh, rappers are like boxers, where I never really believe <laughs> that the retirement is real. Nah, this one was pretty real. This yeah. Past, yeah. 20, 20, in 2009, no, I first tried it in 2007, and then I actually retired from doing shows. I never did a show again once I retired. Never. Okay. Well, I did one, and then when I tried to do that one in 2006, then I stopped everything entirely Okay. after that. And then and then you, have, you haven't wrapped a bar since 06? Wow. wow. Okay. Shout out. Maybe, maybe it is for real. 20, well, 20, I mean, 20, we're, we're 20, fans 20, of everything we've done. The, the last thing I did was uh, Fish and Grits. That was the last album. Okay. Um, when I did the last song for that, which was Caddy Coop, that was done like January 2016, and I never never rapped again after that. Mm, wow. Yeah, it's a yeah. crazy story, and you've kind of remade yourself as one of the – like session drummers of our time and now you've got this red bull series where you're right. kind of exploring that with some of the great uh drummers so um like are are people able to watch that now or are they are they dropping like kind of like netflix style uh, all at it, once or uh, well, well there, it's actually a radio show so gotcha. it's, it's audio there was some confusion because we did a trailer for like uh social media and there's like a clip of like all the guests in the studio. Like we took video shorts. Like we took little one minute clips to use for social media, but it's mostly audio. Like I'm sitting at one kit and they're sitting at another kit across from me. Oh wow. And um, you know, we recorded it. It's 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 essentially a radio show. So they're archived on my SoundCloud gotcha. after they air on Red Bull. Um and I the Quest What Love one is there. Purdy airs tomorrow and then wow. once it's done at seven PM we're gonna uh I'm going to post it on my SoundCloud and then Mike Clark next Tuesday and then Gregorico's the 26th, wow. my birthday, the 26th. It's a great gift. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, yeah. Those are yeah. straight up so, legends. Like, were you intimidated to talk to Bernard Purdy? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually intimidated to like, because there's like a short demonstration at the end of each thing mm. where, there's a groove, where there's a groove that the drummer is, is known for. 
Sure. And then it's kind of like a, a tutorial, and, you know, like, um, you know, with Mike, like, it was just like something, he has a very unique style of playing, like, you know, with, with, with the way he plays linear playing Oakland Punk. So, like, it took a couple, you know, it took a couple of minutes to, like, figure out what he was doing, and I did it. Quest Love, it was, like, kind of like the 12-8 fill of swing kind of thing, and I, I picked that up quickly. And then with Gregorico, it was a, the Love City beat, which was, um, mm. you know, I know how to play it, but I can't play it like him because he's just got a very unique swing. So I was just trying to play it, and it was, you know, it's not it's not easy to play just like somebody. It's one thing to play a beat they played, mm, right. but to play with the same emotion and volume and dynamics that they do, it, it kind of threw me off. I realized then, like, how hard it is to exactly mimic a drummer. But then with Purdy, with Purdy Shuffle, like, you know, like, the, he plays it a certain way, and, and everybody has their way of playing it, and his way is, you know, the original way. So I was, like, scared as hell to try to play <laughs> a, a Purdy Shuffle in front of Bernard. I mean, he's the godfather of punk right. summit. So yeah. you know, it, it's like, you know... It, it, it was intimidating, but he's a really, really nice guy. And, you know, a great interview. So, you know, uh, we, you know, it, it got loose eventually, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, I'm looking forward to checking those out. I, I'm glad that you were able to help clear up that it's uh, that it's not a video series. But, um, I, you know, we're yeah. familiar with producing audio content. I know that's that's a that's hard enough itself. So um, that's cool. Yeah, man. yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, we read recently um, that you um, was were, were working with Danger Mouse and Karen O. Is was that? Um, w- were you guys in the studio? Uh, no. Well, I did uh, a, a few things with Danger Mouse. I did the, the mm-hmm. uh, Lux Prima, which is Danger Mouse, Karen O, and I did uh, Broken Bell Shelter. I played right. on that the single. So, with that stuff, Danger Mouse was like This goes back to maybe twenty. 2015 mm. he has been he was working on that stuff then and he kind of like he's got like a really crazy way of putting music together like he just said like i'm thinking of the drums for i'll stay by funkadelic or i'm thinking of the drums for the like mm. he'll basically say he'll give me tunes and he'll say like just play the drum track just play this like kind of what the drummer's doing this, but just play what they're playing and just give me a raw drum track of you playing that hmm. your way. So like an and extension of a that. sampling ethos, but using you as the like the, the live musician as well. Right, right. He, he was like if you had this this piece, this funkadelic track and you had the stems of just the drums, hmm. like what would it sound like? So hmm. just play along. And, and he didn't even want me to use a metronome. He just said play it like with human feel. That way I, you know, and, and he just kind of like does his own magic with when it comes to putting it together, um, how, he, how he laid the song out. But when I heard the song, I was blown away, man. I, I heard it, uh, oh man, maybe around the time of, um, right before the second Do Rights album came out, like I heard it maybe 2017, I, I went over there, 2016, 2017, and I heard it. So the song had been in the can for a while. I guess while they finished the album, but then it, it, it officially came out in like, uh, November, December. Um, so like, that's how I did that. So I did some Michael Kiwanuka stuff for him. I did something on the new, uh, Niles Barkley record also. Mm. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So like a lot of that stuff is just like, he'll just, he'll give me a track and reference it and say, okay, just play those kind of drums and then put fills at your discretion. And, 
kind of do your thing and then they'll send me a song and I'll be like, Oh snap. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> that's what I did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know, the way he mixes the stuff and everything is, it's really cool. You know? Um, I would like to ask you about Gamma Ray Jones, and it's a very kind of uh, unique LP, and I want you to be able to tell the people about it. But kind of building off of that, I've, uh, we follow you on Twitter, and you're a great Twitter follow, even though you say you don't tweet. Um, but you right. have bemoaned at times the lack of a funk kind of critical apparatus or like a, a blog scene. Like, um, I'm wondering if uh, – please tell us about Gamma Ray Jones, and then if you can kind of go into – like, um, how do, how are you getting your music out to people now? Well, Gamma Ray Jones uh, is the third Do Rights album. The Do Rights is my group with Pablo Martin. He was he's the guitarist for the Tom Tom Club, oh, wow. and he and he's also was the mastering engineer for all my albums when I was doing hip hop stuff. He was the mastering oh. guy, so he's like a you know. So we formed this group, and we've been doing instrumental songs, and we work with like Eddie Palmieri, Robert Glasper, you know. Wow with the Bobito stuff, the Bobito movie. We did a Ghostface remix. We did all kinds of stuff for, like, television. But anyway, like, we, for our third album, it was kind of like, we're both big fans of, like, 70s detective shows, like Mannix and, like, Ironside and Coltac and, and uh, you know, Columbo. You know, like, all those old cop shows. And, like, even when I was making beats, I used to get dialogue from that stuff. People used right. to hear the little sound bites in my music. Like, I got it from, like, watching a lot of those. I'm an old TV buff, so, mm. you know, like, we, we, we want, we always noticed that the music in that in those shows was ultra funky. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. and, 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 like, a lot of that was Quincy Jones, Dave Grusin, Lalo Schifrin, mm-hmm. uh, Mike Post, you know, like, a lot of those guys were doing the music for that stuff, and the stuff was so funky, but it wasn't, like, considered funk. Like, it wasn't, like, uh, you know, it was actually more like library music, right? right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, like, like a KPM or a Sonaton or, like, a DeWolf. You know, they used to do music for those shows when they couldn't hire a composer like Quincy Jones. But it's a very special kind of funk. It's like a cinematic funk, and it, it's very visual. So you can see, like, brawls and chase scenes and and different things unfolding to this stuff and it's, it's entirely instrumental and so we wanted to do an album you know so we came up with this tv show gamma ray jones which is like kind of in line with the mannixes and the mod squads and the shows of that era and we built like a, a pilot episode around it and like what would happen in this episode and the music kind of follows the episode so it's very much a concept album yeah and um you know so so we basically that we were able to kind of like our our love for that small niche in 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 pop culture and in music um you know and cop show funk is like such a small thing we kind (laughs) of invented the term and it's like i've never i've never thought about it like that that's awesome yeah we, we we came up with the term cop show funk and that's like the 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 that's the vibe, you know what I'm saying? But, yeah. uh, you know, cause it's like funk, but it's not like all the way meters or all the way Booker T or all the way right. funk. Like there's a cinematic element with some, you know, with some of the synthesizers or the way that the, the chord structure is and all that other kind of stuff. So, and except for the very we, best, like KPM records, there's a lot of filler on those or like a lot of different cues you guys cut to like, you know, you, you got to curate the best moments from, you'd have to go through six of those KPM records to get this many hot tracks. Yeah, yeah, and there's a lot of, you know, 
like because they have to account for every scene in the show, and not every scene is going to be a knock them dead funk scene. There's right, going right. to be a scene that springs that are sad, and you know, so you know, we, we tried to channel that for Gamma Ray Jones, but you know, over to the other question you had is kind of like funk is like such a small genre, and and it's like there's like a current scene for it, but it, it kind of gets lumped in with. Like when you go to put your album on like a, a TuneCore, DistroKid, or you know to to get it for digital distribution, mm -hmm. they have a drop down menu for the genre, and mm -hmm. we were like, we have to choose R and B soul, but we feel like R, you know, but Beyonce is R and B soul, right, you know, right, uh, right. you know, uh, Rihanna is R and B soul, Chris Brown is R and B soul, so the Do Right is like absolutely nothing like that, but then like if there's jazz, it's not jazz, jazz it's right. not hip hop, it's not, so it, it's funk, you know what I'm saying? And, yeah. and funk is pretty, funk is pretty broad and diverse, but not as diverse as like sticking it under a general umbrella, like an R&B soul. So, you know, I, I've always been vocal about it because it's kind of like going to get lost in the sauce and, and funk is always one of those things where there's really, there's only one, you know, Flea Market Funk and Hot Peas and Butter, Nostalgia King. Like, those yeah, two yeah, sites yeah. regularly profile our stuff. And then there's a couple of smaller blogs, like, of guys that, like, do funk and hip-hop. It's kind of like an overlap of just funk and hip-hop and a lot of things. But but it's very it's been very difficult to get press for the stuff mm. because the hip-hop sites won't touch it because it's not hip-hop. But then the main, you know, the other sites that might cover it, you got to be, like, on a dap tone level to get uh, covered in like Rolling Stone or Pitchfork or Spin or or something like that. So it's it, like with, with like rock or like with indie rock or hip hop or anything like that. There's so many small sites dedicated to all kind of levels of stuff. Like like you know you have you know blogs and websites that cater to quote unquote lo-fi hip hop or quote unquote. Mm -hmm boom bap or quote unquote trap or quote like you can make any kind of hip hop and, and there's like a site or a blog that like has a substantial amount of traffic that caters to it and, and with rock the same thing like right. a more of a punk thing or a garage thing or heavy metal you know or singer songwriter indie pop like all this kind of stuff there's enough sites but for funk is like really like only a couple yeah you know and it's like other you know and, unless we get a general article on like a band camp or if we were to ever get like run in like a spin or something like that it would just be on like a general like most of the press i've gotten for the past couple of years is from general music outlets or from the funk specific things it's not like a you know it's not like uh two dope boys or, or like a hip-hop kind of a blog yeah, you know right. is gonna write about you know because they have a specific focus so that you know there's there's very rarely gonna be and even even when we did, we got a little write up on like I think it was Ambrosia for Has Dallas because we did a Ghostface remix. Like right, normally right. the do right, normally the do right doing instrumental stuff is just there's no home for it. So it's a small market, but it's kind of refreshing too because we're not really getting lost. And like the people in that world know who we are, yep. mm -hmm. and the people who you know who really are clued into those channels will hear about our, our records are visible. Whereas if you're doing hip hop or, or you're doing indie rock or you're doing something like that, you're going to get 
it, it's overwhelming. Like I, I really wouldn't know what to tell a young artist how to go about getting this stuff discovered because it's just there's so much music, you know. That, that, you know, there's so much out there, and if you run a site, it's like you have so much in front of you. What do you cover? Right. You know, so you have that problem. So we have we have a, you know our issues, but it's a different kind of issue. It's kind of like you're in a you're you're either like a guppy in the ocean or like you're a big ass shark in a kiddie pool, and that's right. kind of like what 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 what, what we're, what we're the latter is kind of like what we're we're up against. But you know, we we really don't mind. Like we have a gig, you know, our first gig coming up Thursday at Symphony Space, which is like a prestigious you know New York venue, and yes. you know we're we're, we're able to. Um, you know, we, 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 you know, we, we don't get a whole lot of press, but when we do get, you know, shows or press or inquiries, it's really, you know, interesting stuff. So, nice. um, yeah. Okay. So you, you picked up drums, you were a grown ass adult, right? Do, do you, do you yeah. feel like your, uh, your record collecting experience and kind of, um, just your general hip hop knowledge put you a little ahead of the game or did you feel like you started and you were a six year old just trying to figure it out? felt like I was a six-year-old uh, <laughs> because, because uh, well, I always say this. What, one thing that late bloomers have as an advantage mm-hmm. is that by the time you get to this, it's, well, if you, if you never did music in your life, then you're, you're in for an uphill battle. But, like, if you have some kind of musical background mm-hmm. that's other than what you're trying to get into and then you choose to pursue, like if, like if you're a producer or a DJ or something or a vocalist and then you pursue an instrument, you know how good records sound. So mm. you might not have like, like a five-year-old, like their, their, their coordination in their mind is just a ball of clay because they haven't picked up, they haven't picked up the bad habits. They haven't picked up like, like drumming is like syncopated uncoordination. That's really what it is. <laughs> so like, if, if, if you're like all your life, like you're, everything is synergy. Like you clap, you walk, like everything is done and drumming. Like you have to kind of isolate your limbs. And when you're like three years old, you've only been, you're barely walking. You know, you're barely like, you, you, your motor skills are still developing. So you have, so you, it, it's so much of a quicker process to, to train yourself to like bend all that shit to do it in a way that a drummer would do it. But, you know, like, whereas when you're older, your motor skills are a little slower. Like, you, you know, you pick up habits and then you also have to pay bills. You're an adult, so you're trying to make a living and then you're trying to practice five, six hours a day. So you have all those challenges that I had to deal with. But on the other hand, I have a musical background. I did play bass when I was younger. Okay. So what I, what the advantage I have over a five-year-old kid is that I know how good records are supposed to sound. So, like, I, I, have, I have an ear. You know, like an eight-year-old, if you put him in a studio, he might be, you know, have a million views on YouTube and be able to do all this amazing stuff. But if you put him in a recording studio, will he know where to fill, where not to fill? Will he know how to record his drums to get him to do this? Like all that musical knowledge I picked up, you know, whether I started playing bass and then I got into producing and then DJing and then I was an artist. So like all the, and then I was a record collector, as, as you said, you know, so... With all that experience, I have an ear, and you know, so it's just a matter of the dis- getting the discipline to get the, the 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 actual physical motor skills and and you know tempo and like working with a click and like all all those things, you know, are are, are tough to do. But 
you know, I know how, you know, I know what it's supposed to sound like, you know, so I have like already a musical, you know, pedigree and an ear and that helped speed the process up a little bit more, you know, like, as, as you know, it, it would have taken a lot longer if I didn't have that, but mm. I hey, had Jay. that experience. Yeah. AJ, you mentioned um, being a collector and obviously you're well-versed in music and history and all that. Um, what, what are you checking for these days are you pulling out old records from your collection are you listening to new funk or is there any sort of artists that move you absolutely i mean i'm i'm always revisiting stuff because you know like 20 years ago i would look for records when i was sampling and then you know i would always appreciate the music like it wasn't like i was just skipping through records with the needle like trying to find something to sample like i would actually listen to stuff in the car when i was cleaning the studio up i would let the records play and I was always very into it, but now I'm listening from a drumming standpoint, which I never really did before. And I'm picking up things and records that I've known for years that I've missed before, mm. because I'm, I, I might've like noticed if there was a drum break or if the drummer was soloing and doing something crazy, but sometimes a regular song where a drummer is just playing in the pocket and just playing something basic, there might be something there that I catch now. Mm. So like, I'm going through my dad's old jazz records a lot now and, and listening to them for ideas. You know, like, uh, you know, of course, all the funk 45s I have and all the funk albums and, and that, and even like some of the rock stuff and psych stuff from the 60s and 70s, I listen to that and on to the 80s. And there's, there's new stuff, you know, there's, there's new funk, like you said, like there's a group called the White Blinds, uh, good friends with the drummer Mike Duffy. They're, they're like an organ trio. Hmm. And, you know, they they have, like, the whole Lonnie Smith, you know, kind of a vibe. And they're, they're smoking, man. And, you know, there was another group called M-Tet from the Bay Area. They, you know, mm -hmm. they opened up for us for when I brought, I was touring with Ben Parani, and I, they opened up for us. And, mm -hmm. they you know, they, they were very good. And um, there's a lot there's a lot of really good, you know, like, being on the road now. Now that I'm back on the road. You know, I played with Ben Parani, like I toured with him and, and even with the Do-Rights, you know, like we, we also play on a rock band with Pablo and his wife. So we do rock shows and, you know, some of the bands that open up for us are, are really good, you know, mm -hmm. so I, I'll go buy, I'll, after the show, I'll be like, hey, can I buy a CD? And, you know, I'll buy this CD and then I'll put it in the car, you know, and I'll listen and there's a lot of great musicians out there, you know, and then, uh, you know, I, I go to jazz clubs fairly regularly in New York. Um, I go check out live jazz as much as I can. Mm. Uh, just to, just to, you know, jazz is a whole nother world, but I'm inspired by jazz drumming. Like I think, and, and, and just the improvisation and the way that those guys play off each other. So I, I, I go to a lot of live jazz in New York and, you know, I recently saw Steve Jordan's band, the super soul band. Uh, they were amazing. Um, so, I mean, like, that's one thing I never did. Like when I was a hip hop artist, I would never go to shows. I hated shows. Like I, I would, I would, I would, I would hate doing shows and I would hate going to other people's shows. Like I was like Mr. Anti-show in any shape, form or fashion, you know, but, but now it's kind of like, you know, I, I do my own shows, but then like, I'll go out and watch other kinds of music. You know, I'll go, I'll go check out other bands. Like, yo, there's this band they're playing. They're really dope. And I'll go, I'll go check them out, you know, and, and, you know, 
I, I, you know, I listen to my peers and get inspired by by them and what they're doing. And I might not try to play like them or copy them, but I just look at them for their thing, and that inspires me to do my thing. So, you know, it's made me. I think you know, in this world that I'm in now, I mean, I'm more of. I feel like there's like a community of musicians, and right. I feel like I'm part of that. I'm, I feel like I'm part of that. Like I feel like you know, I know musicians from other groups, and I'm I'm playing in different bands, and then I'll. Right. I'll pluck, you know, I use the bass player from Ben Parani's band to play on the Do-Rights record, you know, and then, you know, we, the, the other guys in the rock band with me and Pablo, they're playing with the Do-Rights when we do shows because, you know, we need two other musicians to play all those parts. So they come right. on in and play. So I feel like I'm building a network of musicians, and that's kind of different because when I was a hip-hop artist, it was like, I just felt like, I used to do beats for a lot of people because I wanted to make some money. <laughs> but, you know, like, hey, man, you need a beat? Okay, how much? All right. But it was kind of like you you stay home and you make beats all day kind of in the basement right. by yourself. And then you go out on stage as a solo artist by yourself and you perform. And then, you don't, you know, I didn't, you know, the other rappers were cool, but I didn't really collab or collab and hang out with guys. So it was very much of like, it was like tennis. Like it was a one man isolated sport mm-hmm. or golf. Yeah, very mm-hmm. much. And then with, with this, it's like football or basketball. Like you got five mm-hmm. or four or 10 other guys, you know, doing this with you. And then it's like more of a community. So it's, it's a different experience. And I think I'm much more aware of other music now that's going on around me and and i'm i I use it and get inspired by it you know whereas before i was kind of i was very insular like Mm -hmm. i would i would i was i could produce and i was the artist so i didn't really need anybody to make a record so i would go in like the last two records i did i might have called up you know al sheet or hoslo or or Self or Breezy Bruin or something, you know, somebody like, yo, here's, you know, here's the beat, here's the song, yo, put a verse on it type of thing. But nobody was around. Right. <laughs> like, that was me by myself. And I never did live shows. So it was like, I would just put records, I, everything was done from the house. Like, I would make the record here, send it to Pablo, get it mastered, then upload it to Bandcamp, put it everywhere, send it to the plant. The records would come back here. The, the thing would go live. I would ship all my Bandcamp orders from my house. <laughs> I would go to the post. Only thing I would do is go to the post office. Yeah. Everything else yeah. Was, was done from home. Like every Peter Pan Syndrome and, and Fish and Grits, the last two rap records I did, every single thing was done from my house. Yeah. Like I never did any shows. I, I never, never had anybody come over. That's interesting. All the vert yeah, all the verses were sent via we transfer. Mm-hmm. You know, like everything was I never left yeah. the house. You didn't have a community. <laughs> like, yeah. That's that's really right. interesting. So you know, would and, you say you're yeah. happier now? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. You right sound on. happy. I mean you don't have like a happy <laughs> countenance. Like I don't want to like use that term or put that on you, but you sound like you're in a really good place. It's awesome. No, I, I mean, I, I, I'm not, you know, nothing's ever rosy. It's the music business. I mean, yeah, you know, right. money's tight and, you know, you have your ups and downs. And, you know, there was a whole thing going on that I chipped in my two cents, you know, going on with Spotify. And then right. this discussion opened up about streaming and what's the future for musicians in terms of revenue. So we're all dealing with that as, as, as musicians. We're all struggling with how to monetize what we do and, and, and how to 
sustain. But but I also look at the positive side. You know, to me, like just you can make a record and just put it out and just get it out there. You don't have to deal with the gatekeepers. You don't have to deal with, you know, like, I'm happy because I can just, these are the funk records I wanted to make as a kid. I can just make them <laughs> and release them. You know, it's like I don't have to deal with trying to get on somebody else's tour. I don't have to right. deal with, you know, like, all the other stuff. Like, I, you know, I was like, the records were always comedic. I always loved making the albums, but once the album was done and I had to get out there and promote it, like, I was mm. a miserable motherfucker in the 2000s. <laughs> You know, like, you know, you're talking about, like, Pimps Don't Pay Taxes, Jobby, None But Work, Sick yeah. of Being Rich, Boss. Like, yeah. making the albums was a party. Like, that was the easy part. Mm -hmm. But then once the album was done, it's like, okay, you got to go out on the road and do shows to support this. Okay, you got to get out there and be a persona. Okay, this person needs that. This DJ needs to do a drop for his mixtape and do this and that and try to get the record to sell. Okay, the record's not selling. We're getting returns. They're right. saying this, okay, I think you should get this guy on your album. You should do a beat for this guy. And I just hated everybody after a while. <laughs> you know, like, it was just that, like, I, I I really hated rap. Like, that that wasn't, like, mm. tongue-in-cheek. That was some real shit. Like, yeah. I was like, I don't want to hear about no fucking boom bap. I don't want to hear about no keep it real hip. I don't want to hear shit. I just want to make <laughs> records and disappear and never be seen, and then I'll see you next time I make a record. That yeah. was mm -hmm. eventually where it got, and it's kind of like it's hard to explain it to people because they, they take it as like, oh, bitterness and that, but it right. wasn't bad. It was just, you know, it, it just kind of like, it it had run its course. And, and it's like, I kind of needed like a new start and I needed um, some kind of, I just needed to like have like, have like a challenge and kind of be a kid again and like start from zero mm -hmm. And even when you go through your trials and tribulations, there are new trials and new tribulations. tribulations. Sure. You sure. see, so like, okay, you know, uh, I played a show, it wasn't that great. Okay, how do I fix that? Or, you know, I'm going back on the road and now I got to find out how to get a drum kit from city to city, you know, or, you know, like, how do you carry this big ass drum set around or, or you know, the back line at this gig? So, I mean, like, these, right. are, these are these are trials you go through, but at least they're different. It's not like, okay, because I was comedic, now everybody thinks I'm a novelty act and, mm. the, the, you know, all the hard work you put into the record is, is kind of goes in vain because people think you're like a clown and a, right. you know, a, a yada yada. And then, you know, you kind of get pigeonholed into this thing, you know, where, 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 you know, nostalgia, like they want you to repeat your first two, three albums over and over and you know you can't do that. Right, right. You're kind of like stuck in this place where it's like, you want me to be who I was at 23, but I'm 31 and, you know, I'm in a different place. It's impossible. Like, you can't go up to inspect the deck now and say, make me feel like you made me feel in 93. <laughs> like, that was 25 years ago. Right. You know? Like, yeah. So it's, it's like, you know, nostalgia is, is, is kind of like the audience's nostalgia is always hanging there. And it, it, it kind of after a while you get burnt out because your change, your life is changing and the music is going to reflect that. But then your fans want you to be who you were in the beginning. And I just feel like as a hip hop artist, I kind of like ran into a brick wall and I just couldn't find the mojo anymore. Mm. You know, like I didn't have the love for it. And I felt, you know, I felt it was time to like, 
you know, let it go and walk away like positive. Like, right. you know, instead of getting in bitter, just be like, okay, I did it my way. I, I had my fun and it's time to, you know, to, to try something else, you know? And, and that's, you you kind of got to know when the writing's on the wall, yeah. you know, with that. And, and, um, rappers seldom do yeah. though. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and like I said, I have, I, I'm not one of those guys who think there's an age limit. I mean, master ace is in his fifties and he's still one of the Killing greatest it. performers. And when it's all said and done, he should be in the top because he's managed to go through so many eras of, of music and reinvent himself constantly. Yeah. And there are guys who are aging gracefully and doing it great. But you know, it's like, it depends on the kind of artist you are. Like my art, my records, the ones that people would like the most were just very juvenile in nature. Like that's how they were. And they were very, very character based. Right. So when you, when you get tired of the character, people are like, well, I came here for the character. Right. And it's, it's, it's like, you can't, you know, it, it's like it's one thing if you're Nas and you're 48 years old doing a show. When he he's not 40, I'm saying, but when he but when he is 48 or when he is 55, right. when he does it, ain't hard to tell. It doesn't look that ridiculous. Like right. me, you know, being 50, like <laughs> trying to do no consequences. I mean, like it, it you know, it, it's kind of like, but but that's what the people are gonna want to hear. And right. the more that you you hang around, you know, the more they're gonna want that. And I, I was always from the Miles Davis kind of school in that, you know, when, when you went to see Miles when Bitches Brew came out, he wasn't mm -hmm. playing My Funny Valentine. Yeah, he was yeah. playing Bitches yep. Brew. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, he was playing, you know, Live Evil, On the Corner, right. Water Baby, you know, Miles and, you know, Jack Johnson. Like when he was going that route or even when he was doing the stuff with Tony Williams and them, you know, he wasn't sitting there doing Stella by Starlight and, right. and all this other stuff. You would go to his show and not hear it, but you know, imagine if you're, you know, if you're a rap artist and, and you had a big hit 15, 20, 25 years ago, they're gonna want mm -hmm. to hear it, and and you're gonna be like, yeah, because and towards the end, like I would never do old material, and the crowd would be like, come on, man, like you know, I came to hear, like I don't want to do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're talking about, oh, you know, you should do something for music for two miles. And I was like, man, I was like 21 years old when I made that record. And at that point, I was 31. I was like, I'm not doing that shit. <laughs> but, but you can't do that. If you want to be right. around for a long time, you got to right. give the people Fan what service. they pay for or you won't get booked again. So right. this is kind of like, I'm not saying it's a, it's a golden rule. It depends on the artist. But for the way my career was structured and the way that it went and, and the you know the series of events that led to me getting to where it was it was like I had just kind of run out but you know it was just it was time to try to find something new and then go at it with a sense of urgency because I'm not 18 I'm right. 41 so it's just like yeah. you know you, you gotta you want to set up the second half of your life you kind of got to be about it you know so we we we're kind of in awe really of your kind of career transformation. Um, very thankful for you coming on the program. Is there anything you want to want to plug for the folks in closing? I know you got a, a, a couple of things coming up. Well, um, the do rights, um, obviously Gamma Ray Jones came out in November. We have a new single, uh, Zodiac is on one side and monsters on the other. Every folk group has to do an astrology song, right? <laughs> so, you know, blow, Check. blow fly and the, and the, the floaters and, you know, everybody, 
you know, did one. So we have ours, and that 45 is a, it's a single. It comes out in uh, April. Okay. Uh, so we have that. Um, I also, you know, Ben Ferrani, soul singer on Coal Mine Records, uh, you know, he's going on, we're going on tour. I play drums in his band, so we go on Midwest tour in March, and then um, we're going out and opening for Nick Waterhouse at the end of April, going into May in the West Coast. You know, we're doing the West Coast. And then um, possibly uh, the UK later on in, in May, and then do right will be doing shows. We were always like more of a, a funk steely band, like two guys <laughs> doing the studio thing. But you know, now that we, we we brought in you know two other musicians and we've been like rehearsing for this show we have this week. Now the do you know this year we're going to try to get do rights out there and and do some shows, and then we're also going to we have another album, but uh, you know that we're going to release, but it's going to be more like a bootleg and B sides and. Stuff like that. So there's that, you know, um, and yeah, that's basically, you know, what I've been focused on. I kind of just am channeling all my energy into trying to be a better composer and musician. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, because I was always the jack of all trades. That was always my tagline. I was a producer, MC, writer, DJ, you know, um, and started playing drums. And, and you know, I'm, I'm kind of realizing that just the gig economy that we're in mm-hmm. and that's just the way it is. Like everybody has to kind of do multiple things cause you want to pay bills. But when I sit back and look at people like Buddy Rich or mm-hmm. I look at Jimi Hendrix or I look at, um, you know, I look at Miles Davis or I look at, at John Coltrane or, you know, I look at any, you know, anybody, you know, all those musicians I admire even early on in the hip hop days. You know, like you, you can look at, you know, Chuck D or, you know, P-Rock or, you know, whoever. It, it's kind of like they did one thing and mastered it. Right. So, and it's very hard to do that because you got to pay bills and nothing really pays in, enough to live off of. So you have to pick up multiple skills. But I've always kind of done that out of necessity. And I feel like I've never been able to master anything because I had to do something else right. to kind of supplement. And I kind of want, last year I got fired from my DJ residency and I used that as a sign. <laughs> that was like a sign for me. Like, you know, you can play Funk 45 so the cows come home and do it very well. But when corporate clients come in there and they want to hear some hits and you don't even have them, all you got is a box of 45, like, <laughs> you know, like, should you really be putting your energy into trying to get DJ gigs? Right. Okay. You know, when they call me three or four times a year to come out and play a all funk party, then I'll throw down, but I shouldn't be hustling DJ gigs because I'm not willing to learn. I don't have Serato. I'm not willing to learn all the records and learn how to play this and learn all these genres. Like I just, I'm not into DJing to where I want to do anything else. So, I cut that loose and then it's like, okay, you don't like rapping, but you kind of built a history doing it. You feel like you do it because you have to and people expect it. You can make a couple of bucks. and But then it's like, do you really want to, you're not going to tour, so you can't monetize it by touring. Right. So you're really just rapping on studio records and then you make a record and then three years later you make another. All the time I put into writing the rhyme or 
DJ, you know, trying to do it, get more DJ gigs or, you know, making beats. I, I don't make a bunch of beats. I would always custom make shit. So then, you know, you, you, this guy hits you up for a beat and he doesn't like it and you're, you're making five custom beats and he's not picking nothing. <laughs> and then, you know, before I know it, like a whole week is wasted trying to get paid, trying to make a beat for and I was looking at all the time I was wasting, and I was like, mm-hmm. if I sat down there and practiced four hours a day instead of 25 minutes a day, and if I sat up there and wrote do-right songs every day instead of one day out of the month, I'd be much further along <laughs> in the process. Right. I would lose out on some money. I would lose out on some quick gigs. I would lose out on a, a cheap beat or a $100 DJ gig or a you know, another rap record that's going to come and go, you know, I'm going to lose out on that. But then it's like what you gain in time, the free mm-hmm. time you have to, to focus on something is very valuable. And when you're younger, it's kind of about dollars and cents. And as you get older, your time becomes a much more valuable resource because you you can't get it back. <laughs> you know, like you can make more money, you can't. So... That's, I don't, you know, that I know that's kind of a longer answer, but that was kind of like what I wanted to put out there. Like, it's just at this point, it's it's time to zero in on two, three. I'll always be a writer. That's in my right. heart. But it's like right. writing, writing, composing and, and trying to learn my instrument and focusing on my groups. I'm, you know, I'm going to zero in on that as best I can, you know, and let all the other weekend warrior shit kind of just go by the wayside because it's it's just I, I honestly feel like that you know in order to master something you have to let some of these things go you know and and that's really what my focus is for you know moving forward awesome well hey we really appreciate you coming on giving us uh some history and some game uh thank you so much man appreciate it hey thanks for having me guys man i really appreciate it Bye. Uh-huh.